because it is so predictable. It's predictable. Hi, this is Jake Turner for Turning Points, the turning point of the sports world. You can find me on Twitter at, at @JakeTurnerSport, or you could subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Now, let's get back to the turning point of the sports world. Turning Points, I'm Jake Turner, the turning point of the sports world. It is Friday, June 15th, 2018. 60 minutes of outstanding sports conversation coming at you. You can tweet me at, at Jake Turner Sport, or you can find this podcast. If you miss any of this, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and tons of others. We got, I think we also got Overcast in as well today, and Auto Radio. Tons of great sports coming at you right now. We are just, it's a day before the weekend. And you're thinking to yourself, man, this is going to be a phenomenal sports weekend. And you kind of look at this and go, well, not really because the NBA Finals are done. The Stanley Cup is done. Oh, contraire. We're going to get into why this certain Hall of Famer is pretty much getting what's coming to him in our final work. Word, and we're going to be playing that a little bit early today. Uh, Cody Grant of Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan will be joining us to talk uh, some Brewers. The National League Central is one of the best stories that nobody is talking about right, right now. With the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers going at it, the St. Louis Cardinals are there. The Pittsburgh Pirates are not dead yet. So we're going to talk a little bit about what's making the Brewers so dang good as we approach here the last month before the All-Star break. Uh, we're going to get into the U.S. Open. I'm going to tell you why the sports media needs to go back in time and understand what it's like to be in your 20s with the Lakers. And speaking about the Lakers, there could be somebody not named LeBron coming their way. But that also might mean the end of the LeBron sweepstakes. That being in mind, let's jump into it with the U.S. Open. Now, here's the thing. I like golf. I don't love it. And what and it's it's kind of like pretty much like this. Let's say you're out with your girlfriend. You've been going out for about a couple of months and your girlfriend says, "I want to go have dinner with my friends." Now, you kind of walk into this atmosphere first off and you're nervous. And you're just sitting there and you're like, "Am I going to fit in?" And it just kind of feels like that with the US Open. I mean, like I said, I like it, but I don't love it. So I'm just kind of going in because my girlfriend told me so, so I'm going to do it. And that's what it's been like with the U.S. Open this year. Now, this is a major we're talking about here. And here are some of the biggest golfers right now. And they are just having the worst time ever at Shincock Hills Golf Course in Southampton, New York right now. It's a struggle. Dustin Johnson right now is leading with four under. That's the best score they've had so far. Shot a 69 on Thursday and a 67 today. Uh, so that's good for him. Tied for second is a guy named Scott Piercy. Got Justin Rose, who we've heard about a little bit. Ian Poulter, we heard is kind of a dark horse to win the U.S. Open. But look at this. Ricky Fowler, two over. Patrick Reed, four over. The same guy that won the Masters. Phil Mickelson, seven over. 77 yesterday shot. Tiger Woods, tied for 86th with 10 over. I mean, he had 8 over yesterday. Shot a 78 yesterday, a little bit better today with a 72. But Orton Spieth, over 11? Shot a 78? Tied for 95th? Rory McIlroy, 
tied for 114th with 14 over and shot a four over. Now you're asking yourself right now, well, Jake, that's it. The U.S. Open is, it's over. Why, why should I watch it? Well, I mean, this is the greatest thing about golf in my opinion. You got to think about this. Just go back to that little analogy that I just brought up. The fact is, is that you're in a, a place where you're kind of nervous. You know, you got all of these big time people around you or your girlfriend's friends. And with the U.S. Open, that's what it's like right now. So Rory McIlroy has disappeared. Jordan Spieth has pretty much called it a day. Tiger Woods has disappeared as well. Mickelson is uh, enjoying his 40s. Uh, Patrick Reed is still looking at his green master's jacket day in and day out, wondering if I'm ever going to win that again. Ricky Fowler is looking to see if he matched his orange uh, jumpsuit as well. So it's kind of a struggle right now. So right now, as fans of the U.S. Open, as golf right now, we're sitting there going, well, who do we root for? Well, here's the fact. We don't know who to root for, and I think that's what's going to make it great. Look, we love unpredictability in sports, and it wouldn't be any better than seeing Dustin Johnson maybe win a major or Scott Piercy or Justin Rose. I mean, I'd like to actually see Justin Rose do something or Ian Poulter who a lot of people have said is the dark horse. So you can't really look at this and go, oh my goodness, it's all over. I can't watch golf anymore. My life is over. I can't do this. Nobody is good. Yeah, well, golf's been having this problem for quite some time ever since Tiger Woods declined. And they're still trying to find this. And they haven't really. So when you got the best people in golf right now having issues, now you have to figure out, okay, what do we do next? Okay, we set up unpredictability, and that's what they're going to try and do. And that is an example of the turning point of a sports world. I'm Jake Turner, 60 Minutes of Outstanding Sports Conversation, right here on Die Hard Sports Radio. And you're not going to get takes anywhere else like this. That's why we call it the turning point. Don't forget, later on in the show, we're going to have Cody Grant of Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee joining us. And he has some really good insight about the Milwaukee Brewers. So that's going to be coming up as well. And here's one thing interesting to me. We live in a very interesting society. Our society is mixed up with a lot of Gen Xers, Gen Y, and Millennials. And we got the Gen Z coming up pretty soon. And there's one thing that we're starting to see with the Millennials. Is that they are living in a world of social media. Every day they wake up, they got Snapchat. They got Instagram. They got Facebook. They got Twitter. And they are pretty much broadcasting their lives. So this is very interesting to me that Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball, their diss tracks, are in the news right now. Now, Lonzo Ball did not have the greatest season. Kyle Kuzma had a pretty good season. But that shouldn't be like the main story. So when I got guys, and let me tell you something, I'm an old school guy. Okay, I, I kind of feel like broadcasting my life is just kind of like, okay, I'll do it a little bit, you know, just for my professional reasons. But I'm not going to sit here and rip on guys like Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma. And here's why. So Kuzma put out a diss track ripping on Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball followed back and did it in the classic Ball family kind of way. You know, he had his big baller brand. He actually did a music video. I mean, it doesn't get any more egotistical than that. Of course he's going to do that, Jake. That's what the Ball family does. They're their own product. And that's what Lonzo Ball did. So Lonzo Ball created this 
music video, and it was taped like it was the 1980s, and you saw it on MTV. And he had, you know, his his dad, LeVar Ball, out there, and he had and he had all these dollar bills spraying out, and he had his big baller brand jacket on, and he was looking at his shoes and all this stuff. And I'm like, the big baller brand is a joke because the shoes are $400. But they're trying to get out their brand. So when it, it kind of amazes me when I got guys in the West Coast. I'm not going to say his name, but we all know who we're talking about. You know, the king of the clickbait. But I'm not going to say his name. But we know. Because he is the biggest Lakers fan ever. Biggest Lakers fan. And even he had a problem with how Lonzo Ball did his music video. Oh, poor him. You know, the funny thing with Kuzma is I thought that video was actually kind of funny. I liked it. Lonzo Ball, eh, a little bit over the top, but that's what the big baller brand is. It's over the top. That's why you got guys like LeVar Ball coming out on Fox Sports 1 and talking about trying to get LeBron James into L.A., which I would think that's probably the dumbest idea ever because if LeVar Ball is waiting there by LeBron's jet, I think LeBron's going to go, nope, on the jet. Let's go, guys. We're going to Philadelphia. Let's get out of here. So let's make sure that LeVar Ball is not there. So Lonzo Ball did do a little ripping, okay? You know, there was a couple of times where he went over the line, but not to the point where I'm just like, oh my goodness, this is so bad for the Lakers. Now, the Lakers have already have already done their due diligence, which is simple. They said to Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma, cut it out, knock it off, enough is enough, okay? So we're not in the Lakers, okay? We're not in the front office right now at Magic Johnson. We're not there. Okay, so as fans and as media people, we should not be sitting out there getting heart attacks because of diss tracks. Kyle Kuzma's 20. Lonzo Ball is 20. They're in their 20s. I could go on for days telling you what kind of stupid stuff I did in my 20s. And it goes back to this argument I had just a couple of months ago. Once again, we got to let these kids be kids. If you're in your 20s and you're in the NBA and you're doing, and the worst thing you've done so far is a diss track, you haven't gotten arrested, you haven't been put in jail, you haven't been thrown with sexual assault or anything like that. No, 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 you, you did a diss track. I mean, come on, lighten up, guys. And I'm talking to the baby boomers and the Gen Xers, lighten up. Okay, seriously. And I, I'm an old school guy. And, I'm, and when I'm saying lighten up, that's something to think about. Because it's, it's not good. It just makes you look really petty. And it just feels like uh, he doesn't want to have fun. They're having fun. We're not enjoy And you're trying to tell me you can't enjoy it? Well, here's something funny for you. Went on YouTube. It's saw Alonzo Ball's music video. 500,000 views. Mission accomplished. Kyle Kuzma, 213,000. Mission accomplished. Attention to the Lakers. Now, is it going to help at all with LeBron James? It has nothing to do with LeBron James. That's why this is the turning point of the sports world. This has nothing to do with LeBron James. LeBron James is not looking at those music videos and going, guys, we're going to Philly. We're going to Boston. I'll even go look at the Knicks. No, no. LeBron James is caring about one person and one person only right now. Himself and his family. That's it. He's doing this on a family decision. 
So if he decides to stay with Cleveland, he'll stay with Cleveland. If he decides to go to Philadelphia, he'll make it happen. If he decides to go to Miami again, he'll make it happen. But seriously, if you think diss tracks are the main reason that LeBron James will not come to Los Angeles, you're absolutely crazy. That's crazy. Grow up. Seriously. I got 30 to 40-year-old guys right now whining and complaining and saying, this is bad for the Lakers. Not even close. Like, really? Because if it was bad for the Lakers, then this big-time story wouldn't have come out today. Adrian Wojnarowski, the king of NBA talk. When it comes to delivering the reports, that guy knows it all. A report came out today that Spurs own Kyrie Leonard. He wants out of San Antonio. And there's already rumors going around that he might be thinking about the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, wait a minute, Jake. We got to show those diss tracks. Kyrie Leonard's not going to give a dang about it. All Kyrie Leonard wants to do is play basketball. That's why he never talks to the press. He never talks to the press. Name one time where you ever saw Kyrie Leonard outside of winning the NBA Finals talk to the press. He hasn't. He doesn't want to. So you think that somebody in Kyrie's uh, entourage right now is looking at that and going, Hey, Kyrie, yo, got to check this out. Look look at these diss tracks here. Kyrie Leonard's not going to care. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that I feel like the Lakers have to make a decision here. Because if you are going to be looking at Kyrie Leonard, that means you can't look at LeBron. And yes, I know, you're thinking to yourself right now, Jake, that's nuts. Well, sometimes we go a little nuts. And that's the turning point of the sports world, once again, at hand. If you do decide to go get Kyrie Leonard, you're not going to get LeBron James. Kyrie Leonard loves the basketball. That's why he averaged 26 points per game. LeBron James is the same way. Now, in a fantasy world, would this be great for the game? I don't know. There has to be an equilibrium. There has to be equality in the NBA for me to be interested. You guys realize the NBA Finals lost 11% of its audience this year because people tuned out. And it's kind of interesting to me also that nobody made that a big deal. When the NFL lost 14% of its audience, everyone went, Oh my goodness! It's over! We're never going to be able to see all 32 teams again! Oh my goodness, the NFL has not become what it becomes. You haven't heard that about the NBA Finals. They lost 11% of their audience. That should be like an alarm going off in their heads right now, going, Guys, we cannot create more super teams. LeBron cannot go to Golden State. That cannot happen. We cannot have Kyrie Leonard and LeBron James on the same team together. Oh my goodness. What about Chris Paul? Now that we could possibly do. Paul George? Absolutely. You got to realize Leonard is one of the top five best players in the NBA. So you got to make a choice here. Because LeBron James is not going to come to LA and play with Leonard. They're going to both want the ball. That's why I keep telling people he's not going to Houston because James Harden's going to want the ball. LeBron's going to want the ball. LeBron loves to set up plays, set up looks, set up shots. That's what he wants to do. 
He doesn't want the spotlight taken off him when he is on the court. So the Lakers have to make a decision. Are you going to go with Leonard or are you going to go with the King? Got to figure something out here. Paul George or Chris Paul, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If Chris Paul and Paul George both went to the Lakers, they could get Leonard or they could get LeBron, but they can't have both. They can't have both. And I understand, Jake, it's the Lakers. Yeah, so? Lakers are not that good right now. I mean, they, they had an okay season, I guess, for all the youth that they have. But you got to understand here. When you go to, I mean, let's say it's 11 o'clock at night. You had a kind of a hard day, and you open up that refrigerator, and you're looking around for something really good right now. You haven't had dinner yet. So right now your appetite is thinking right now, cookies, chips, uh, fruit, uh, let's see here, ice cream, uh, hamburgers, steak. Oh, what else can I have? Nope, you're going to go for the chips. You're going to go for the pretzels. You're going to take that shredded cheese out of the refrigerator. You're going to put it on top, and you're going to create some nachos. Because you haven't ate anything since 2 o'clock in the afternoon, let's just say. Okay, that's overeating. That's gluttony. And the NBA is suffering because of the gluttony that they have created. So, I mean, you got to try and figure out equality in the Western Conference as well as the Eastern Conference. If Leonard is going to go to the Lakers, then that should mean LeBron James is going to stay in the Eastern Conference and keep building up their product. I mean, think about it. The Eastern Conference has gotten a little bit better here. Dwayne Casey, I think, will do a very good job with Detroit. Mitch Kupchak is the new general manager for the Charlotte Hornets. There's a lot of good things in the making here, but you got to find a way to get rid of this gluttony. You got to figure this out. You got to be Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt right now in the movie Seven, and you got to start investigating and thinking to yourself, we cannot let that sin get the best of us again. And that's what the NBA has to think about. They truly have to think about that. All right, so this is the Turning Point in the Sports World. I'm Jake Turner, 60 Minutes of Outstanding Sports Conversation. We have talked about the U.S. Open not being dead, as a lot of people believe it is. I don't think it is. Uh, with Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, you got to grow up, folks. you got to grow up. It, it's just people being in their 20s. Let them, let them have their hall pass. And then, of course, we talked about how you know, Kyrie Leonard and LeBron James are open for L.A., but we really don't know. And that's the funniest thing. We don't know what LeBron James is thinking right now. We got a report about Leonard, but I haven't heard anything about LeBron since the NBA Finals concluded. And I don't think we're going to find out anything until after the NBA draft. It's kind of interesting how that story has been more important than the NBA draft. You know, the funny thing is I heard the NBA draft talked about this week, maybe about Six times. Six times on six different radio shows. And it wasn't very long. Everybody just wanted to go LeBron, 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 Lakers, 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 Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo Ball should be traded. LeVar Ball joins us. Aye. Welcome to June Radio, folks. When people decide to get really easy and lazy. And just start throwing out all those little buzzwords. 
That's what we don't, we never do that on the turning point of the sports world. In fact, we got Cody Grant of Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan joining us later on in the show. He just got confirmation. He'll be joining us at the end of the show. So we're going to do our final word just a little bit early uh, in this broadcast. That being said, uh, speaking about speaking about Cody Grant, you know, the Brewers are just red hot right now. The Cubs are playing outstanding baseball. And it just makes me feel good because now this is where baseball really rises to the top. NHL is done. NBA is done. Now we get into baseball. And I just love it when I got the baseball writers whining and complaining and crying because, oh my goodness, attendance is down. Well, that's that's baseball's problem, in my opinion. I feel like more, it's been exciting. Like, I actually make it my mission. As soon as I wake up in the morning, I look at my clock, and I listen to a little music, and then I fire up all the baseball highlights. All the baseball highlights, and they are so well cut by MLB.com. Oh, man. Two minutes. It's just like two and a half minutes, and the highlights are so exciting. I mean, there's been so many great stories, but I don't think anything is topping right now what we're seeing with the likes of the of the AL East and the NL Central. I mean, the American League has been bonkers. I mean, the Yankees have been playing out of their minds right now. Seven of their last 10 games One, Boston's playing great baseball. They've won four straight as well. And, you know, they've been having a really tough fight with the Seattle Mariners now coming in, and we'll get to them in a minute. But then you look at the bottom, and Tampa Bay is right there. Now, you're thinking to yourself, Jake, Tampa's not going to the playoffs. But that doesn't mean you can't say that they're a dark horse. Kevin Cash has done a very good job with this team. And when they get back Kevin Kiermeyer, that's going to be even more interesting. The Toronto Blue Jays, man, they should just fire John Gibbons right now. I mean, how many times are we going to go below 500 after about the, the third month mark? I mean, it's kind of getting hilarious to me. But the AL Central, now that, ladies and gentlemen, that is a colossal joke. That is a joke. First off, a lot of credit to Cleveland. Yeah, you know, the loss of Mickey Calloway as the pitching coach has been really showing in that bullpen. Losing Brian Shaw, that's another big one there. And Detroit. Detroit. Playing okay. Ron Gardenhire. Got the experience. Still, that road record is horrible. Oh, my. 10-20. and 20. But they took 2-3 from the Twins, which reminds me of the Minnesota Twins. Wow. What a twilight zone of affairs right now at the Minnesota Twins. Miguel Sano was just sent down to single A. Miguel Sano, who was one of the top, pl- top sluggers last year, has been sent down to single A. Boy, it's definitely not a Terry Ryan world after all in Minnesota. Definitely you got Derek Falvey and Thad Levine running the show there. I mean, if you can get them to send them down to single A, boy, something's up there. The Chicago White Sox, boy, they have been a disaster. However, they've won six of their last ten games. So that's a giant killer in the making. And the Royals, whoa, ah, the Royals have crashed and burned. But the AL West has also been interesting. Whoever thought we would wake up in the morning and see that the Seattle Mariners are contending with the World Series champion Houston Astros. And they don't have Robinson Cano, but they actually have good pitching. But they don't have Felix Hernandez, but they got James Paxton. 
and Miguel Gonzalez is awakened. And Edwin Diaz has actually been a pretty good closer. And Mitch Haniger has come to life. Kyle Seeger is still Kyle Seeger. But Ryan Healy, I want you to keep that name in mind. And you're looking at my, me right now and going, who? Who are you talking about, Jacob? Who are these people? Well, Ryan Healy is a very interesting story. A 260 batting average, but the guy has been explosive lately. He has 13 home runs. Nelson Cruz, 16. I mean, this is crazy to me. 16 for Mitch Haniger as well. I I don't know what to say right now. The Seattle Mariners have just been like, it's kind of like that, that scene in Dizzy's Mary Poppins. When Julie Andrews as Mary Poppins is coming down across the pipes and... She comes down to the house, and it kind of feels like right now, that's our Mary Poppins right now, the Seattle Mariners, because it's magic. It's fantasy. How is this possible? Felix Hernandez has not been Felix Hernandez. He's been hurt. Robinson Cano has been suspended for 80 games. They're still playing great baseball. How is this possible? We'll give a lot of credit, a lot of credit to Scott Survey, who has been managing the daylights out of it. And I really like to see that. You know, another team that's been interesting to me also has been, and we jump to the National League here. Look, I mean, the Houston Astros are going to be in the playoffs. I mean, that's bar none. But whoever thought the Atlanta Braves were going to be good? Like even a couple months ago, I was laughing when the Braves got off to a hot start. Oh, how wrong I was. Like seriously, I got the Braves hat right by me right now, and I got some barbecue sauce on it, and I'm about to eat some crow. They have been playing outstanding baseball. The pitching has been decent. The offense has been nasty. And when they get back Ronald Acuna, watch out. Washington. Yeah, Washington is just Washington. They'll find a way to blow it in the first round. The Milwaukee Brewers, though, and back we go. Remember, we got Cody Grant, Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan, joining us. And he will be talking some uh, Brewers baseball. So you don't want to miss that. But, man, that has been a phenomenal uh, division to watch. Milwaukee's been playing great. Cubs have been playing well. They just had a great uh, three-game series. Two were won by Milwaukee. Now, keep in mind, Milwaukee was swept at Wrigley and at Miller Park the first time they met. Now the Brewers are starting to build. And when they get back Jimmy Nelson, that is something that we might have to watch out for. But I can't believe I'm saying this about the the NL West. And I have never said these words ever, but this is why it's the turning point of the sports world. That Amer- that National League West right now is wide open. Wide open. The door is clearly wide open right now. Look, the San Diego Padres have been winning lately and been playing pretty good baseball. Now they're 33 and 38, I get that. But the Colorado Rockies have fallen off a cliff, literally. The San Francisco Giants have been kind of flirting 500 all, all the time. The Dodgers have been playing pretty well. The Dodgers were the Dodgers were nine games below 500 just a month ago, and now boom, they're back up. That's a lot of credit to Dave Roberts, and they don't have Clayton Kershaw, and they're still winning. Do I think the Dodgers are alive still? By a fingernail, by a fingernail, because I feel like the pitching is going to start to wear off a little bit. Uh, they've had kind of an easy schedule as well. And the Arizona Diamondbacks, boy, that is a bipolar disorder for Major League Baseball. Because I have I have no clue 
no clue who the real Arizona Diamondbacks are. I really don't. I mean, Zach Greinke's not even their best pitcher right now. Are you kidding me? How's that possible? But see, that has been the great thing about baseball this year is that it's been unpredictable. Nobody wants to say it, though. All they want to do is whine and complain and cry. Oh, those poor baseball writers. Seriously, let's get them a pacifier, each one right now. They could pick out their favorite team and they could sit there and suck on a pacifier instead of whining. My goodness, they're like two-year-olds seriously trying to get out of their crib. It's kind of ridiculous to me. That being said, though, we're about to hit the halfway point here on Turning Points. And like I said, we're going to be doing our, our favorite segment uh, a little bit early. So I'm Jake Turner, and you could subscribe here on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Uh, if you miss any of this podcast, we'll have it up for you by tomorrow morning, right when you're about to have your morning coffee to start off your weekend. We always want to start off your weekend on the right foot with uh, Turning Points. That being said, it is time for my favorite segment. I have been dying to do this. I uh, just got word. Cody Grant is going to be joining me in the last part of the hour. So that is what's going to be uh, happening after this final word. So let's get right into it. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is the ultimate goal for the greatest players in the National Football League. Names like Packers great Ray Nitschke, Dolphins quarterback Dan Marino, 49ers star Joe Montana, and of course, the greatest receiver in football, Jerry Rice. They all come to mind because the word class is within when you put on the golden Hall of Fame jacket and you shake the hands of some of the past greats. Then you had the luck of unveiling your bronze head and speaking at a podium. Look at your speech and give thanks to your hard work on and off the field. This year's Hall of Fame class is one of the best with names like Ravens great Ray Lewis. Jerry Kramer is finally going in from Lombardi's Packers. Vikings star Randy Moss and Bears linebacker Brian Urlacher. But one name that football fans have been waiting for has decided not to attend. In only a way that he could create it. And that's Terrell Owens. Owens' numbers rightfully get him in. 15,934 receiving yards. 153 touchdowns. 1,078 receptions. He's a six-time Pro Bowler, and he was named to the All-Pro team five times. The guy was a human highlight reel and a classic entertainer from his time as a 49er when he caught the game-winning touchdown against the Packers in the 1998 wildcard game to famously heading out to the star in the middle of Texas Stadium against the Cowboys. From his Super Bowl performance as an eagle after suffering a broken leg to famously doing sit-ups in his driveway, and who can forget his time with the Cowboys? I wish I could go on, but then T.O. wins. However, when this news came out that he declined invitation, made me think of one of the best lines in the 2008 blockbuster, The Dark Knight. And it was said by the late Heath Ledger when he was Joker, everyone loses their minds. And the media predictably did. Losing their mind by talking about this, by having him on radio shows. Even one decided to match his ego against T.O.'s, even brought him on the show. And it was a colossal mess and a very unprofessional way to do it. That's just me, though. So why do we care? I didn't even know he was entertaining anymore. Preferably, I liked his football life and his silence after his career was done. It was refreshing. But the media, they just refused to let it go. 
I heard radio shows that talked about how Owens threw quarterbacks like Jeff Garcia, Donovan McNabb, and Tony Romo under the bus. Well, we know this. He had a reality show. We know this. He was controversial. We know this. Look, I am enrolled at the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting at Full Sail University. I had the luxury to meet Dan. You know how long he spent talking about Owens on his radio show? You're going to think I'm lying here. A minute and a half. That's it. And never brought it up again. Why? Because he wasn't surprised. No one should be surprised that Owens turned down the invite to speak at Canton, Ohio. It's who Terrell Owens is. He's always been this way. I mean, seriously, what does it matter? Seriously. I'll say it one more time. Seriously. Saturday, August 4th is when the 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame enshrinement ceremony is. And if we don't hear his name, oh well. Owens got what he wanted. He's in the Hall of Fame now. And his ultimate goal is achieved. So let me be the first to say congratulations, T.O. Enjoy your private celebration. But do us a favor and keep it that way. Private. All right, that's the final word, and you can find this on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We always uh, put that up separately. Uh, gives you a good feel on it uh, here on the turning point of the sports world. So if you have any thoughts or concerns or anything, uh, tweet me at, at @jaketurnersport. Let me know what you thought about the show. Did you like what you heard? Did you dislike what you heard about Throwins? Do you have a better take on the U.S. Open? How about Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball? Were your panties in a twist? I don't know. And I, and I kind of said that in a, in a conservative way. I apologize. However, it's true. Seriously, lighten up, people. It's a diss track, okay? It's not like he went out there and pretty much ripped on everything that made Kyle Kuzma what he is today. Stop it. It's kind of ridiculous to me. It's been kind of ridiculous, too, because, I mean, think about this. You know, NBA, NBA Finals is done. Thank goodness. The Stanley Cup is done. Thank goodness. Even though I have loved what the Washington Capitals have been doing. It's been awesome. You know, everybody keeps talking about how, oh, they're drinking too much. Let me ask you this question. Let's say you waited 44 years as a franchise. Let's say you're Alex Ovechkin and you've waited for almost nearly 15 years for this. What is the main goal to happen as an athlete? Simple. To hold up Lord Stanley the Lombardi Trophy, the Larry O'Brien Trophy, the World Series. Hello, gold medals, trophies. Isn't this what athletes are trying to do? Especially in a professional status. I don't have a problem with Alex Ovechkin tapping a keg. I don't have a problem with them drinking at the parade. You want to know something? If you seriously had a problem with that, I'll take you to Chicago 2016 when I was at Grant Park. And I was suited up. I was suited up. I was ready to go. I was looking good. You know what happened to me? Me and my cameraman, Ryan Fahey, we got stuck in a parade of blue. And everybody was drinking. And everybody was having a good time. And I even saw the likes of David Ross... Taking a uh, drinking a beer, 
And it was awesome. Look, when you get to do something this amazing, you get to do it the best way you can. And if this is how the Capitals want to celebrate, go ahead. Go ahead. Because this is this is a point that you're never going to hear. All you heard this week was, oh, they're drinking too much, Jake. Oh, what are they doing? Why is Alex Ovechkin? Why are you at a keg, man? What about all the Budweiser workers? What the hell is going on here? My goodness, people. Let's 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 get a little brass here. We do have brass, right? Jeez, if you really had a problem with Alex Ovechkin drinking beer at a parade, who cares? You know why I'm saying that? Because I witnessed it at Grant Park in Chicago when the Cubs won the World Series for the first time since 1908. It was a party town. It was amazing. Seriously. What did you think? They were going to come out here and go, all right, guys, let me have a little swig of beer. All right, I'm good now. Sobering up here. Let's get ready for that parade. I'm good. No, I don't need a, I don't need anything else. I'm going to stay clean. I'm going to stay clean, and I'm just going to look at this uh, Stanley Cup here. It, is that beer in there? You know, the funny thing is, is that a lot of people keep forgetting this. Before we head off to Cody Grant, who's just about to join us, that a lot of people drink out of the Stanley Cup. And what do you think it is? Water? You think it's lemonade? You think they made up an Arnold Palmer and threw it into Lord Stanley and said, Hey, guys, take a drink. Come on now. Really? It's beer. It could be Jack Daniels if it wanted to be. It could be Johnny Walker. You could mix up a margarita in there if they wanted to. It's their property. It's theirs forever. And they will do whatever they want to it. All right. So this is the turning points, the turning point of a sports world. We're about to close up shop here. Cody Grant, uh, Sports Radio 107.5. The fan is about to join us here. So we're going to take a quick timeout, very quick, like a five-second, like a little five-second replay. And we'll be back with more here. On the turning point of the sports world, I'm Jake Turner, and you're listening to it right here on Die Hard Sports Radio. You know, everybody keeps talking about how baseball is in trouble right now and attendance is down 7%, but they're not watching the National League Central. I mean, yeah, we got the Cardinals, we got the Cubs, but whoever thought that the Milwaukee Brewers would be in first place in the National League Central? And they took two or three from their competitor down in Chicago. So why are you listening to me here? I'm going to bring in Cody Grant of Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan. And Cody, talk about right now what the Brewers... Who is the main guy right now that has really been helping this team win? You know, it's tough because they have a plethora of players that just fill in gaps, whether it be from the starting staff to the bullpen uh, to the offense, the defense beginning better. But the one name that has to be brought up is Lorenzo Cain. I, I mean, this guy has just been so good at the leadoff position for them. And in the locker room, really, he's just been that veteran presence to – you know, you have Ryan Braun there, but Kane's now this other guy that's bringing the younger guys along. Let's talk about Lorenzo Kane here for a minute. Uh, you know, 288 batting average, eight home runs, 22 RBIs, 13 stone bases. His OPS, Cody, th- this is amazing to me. An OPS of 830? I mean, are, are you kidding me right now with this? And, you know, Lorenzo Kane has been 
pretty much, you know, he's been one of the top players that nobody knows about because he was in Kansas City. What has his presence meant to Milwaukee, especially in the last series against the Cubs? Well, quick note about Lorenzo Cain, too. You know, he, he played in Milwaukee before. <laughs> and you know, he left for he left for running a World Series ring in Kansas City. So, mm-hmm. first off, he brings that veteran pedigree and that championship experience. Now, in that Cubs series, that's huge because when you talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, when they're chasing the Chicago Cubs, however they are in first and central, you still got to think it's the Cubs division until they lose it. Right. Russell Kane is the perfect addition to this team because he's been there, done that. And I think the, the play that really, if you want to talk about the catalyst for that series, was on Tuesday with Christian Yelich at second base and, and get caught in that pickle and Lorenzo Kane running up the second, doesn't tag the base, sees that no one's covering first, has Christian Yelich come back to second and runs back to first all by himself. Everybody's safe. Four Cubs players around second base all confused. <laughs> you don't see that. But by the Cubs who won the World Series in 2016. That had to be absolutely crazy to you. I mean, you're sitting there, you're watching that game. Tyler Chatwood's having a miserable day. And it just got worse. Was it the Brewers that did this? Or was it the Cubs that just pretty much did this to themselves? Because that looked like something you would see in high school ball. I think it's a little bit combination of both. I mean, you have to give Christian Yelich credit, too. Because whenever you see a mm-hmm. rundown, especially in, in Major League Baseball, you see it in high school where the kid will never stop. But mm-hmm. in Major League Baseball, you, you get maybe one or two throws, and then that's okay, this one's over. Christian Yelich ran back and forth for four or five throws. I, I saw that. He was making the Cubs work. And, and then usually if, if, if you're thinking in the mindset of if you're Lorenzo Cain there, you got to think, okay, if Christian Yelich gets out, the next best thing to do is get to second. Because at least we, only, we have one out at that time. At least we have a guy on second still. But Cain, he was so involved. He, he, he's so well aware of his surroundings that he saw Christian Yelich have an opportunity and, you know, they weren't throwing uh, to throw him out a second. And so he pointed, he got Yelich's ear and Christian heard him, got to second and Rezo Kane trotted his way back to first. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it, it's talk about a base running play, but it was a big play. I don't think I've ever seen anything <laughs> like that. Uh, it was crazy to me. I, I never seen anything like it, but that's what made baseball so much better this year. Uh, Yelich, you talk about, you know, in his last seven games, 10 hits, one home run, two RBIs, two walks, nine strikeouts. However, the 10 hits is what really got to me here. But speaking about, but I mean, with Yelich and Kane, how has this made the Brewers just a team to be reckoned with right now? Well, it was, you know, going into the offseason uh, before the 2018 campaign for the Milwaukee mm-hmm. Brewers, everybody thought their biggest need was starting pitching. So you had the big names out there. You had Hugh Darvish. You had Jake Arrieta. Yes. You had kind of like the middle tiers, like the Lance Lynn's. And, uh, you know, you had Chris Archer in Tampa. Were they going to make a trade for him? Yes. And then this day came up, and you, you hear the signing about Lorenzo Cain and the trade for Christian Yelich. Both happened within an hour. And these two guys have been the catalyst for the offense, batting one and batting two. You know, sometimes you throw Eric Thames and they'll lead off. But for the most part, it's Cain one, Yelich two. And, and those guys have really added to the offense and – and you thought, well, okay, well, how are we going to do the starting pitching? The starting pitching has been pretty good. The Brewers as a whole, second in all of baseball in ERA. Wow. And and with the pitching here, I mean, Chase Anderson has, you know, he's struggled in the last couple of games, had his best outing of the year so far pretty much. Seven innings pitched, a hit, two walks, and six strikeouts. And that was in game two of this three-game series. But 
Also, the one that has been shocking, though, I mean, everybody would think, oh, it's Chase Anderson. Oh, but Jimmy Nelson's not back yet. Junior Guerra has just been dominating. I mean, a 2.71 ERA comes off a magnificent five-hit earned run, two-walk, and four-strikeout performance. It was because of the bullpen here. But what makes Junior Guerra so strong and powerful? Well, it seems like he has this velocity back, and that helps with his confidence. Because we saw this in 2016 with Junior Guerra. You know, he was the ace on the squad. And then, mm-hmm. of course, he was the opening day starter last year. He gets hurt in the batter's box. That's a conversation for another day if you want pitchers to bat. Uh, but ever since he got hurt that, that day, in opening day in 2017, he hasn't been the same. Uh, he had a bad year last year. I mean, you can't sugarcoat that. But so far this season, I, you know, he's just been terrific. He's a guy that you can trust each game to give you five innings plus, give you that quality start, allow, you know, no more than three runs, and get you to that bullpen. And, well, Garrett, you can't say enough about him. And, you know, another guy in that rotation uh, you failed to mention yet, Jake, is really just seen as well. Those two guys came in question marks for the season, and they really have performed well. We're talking to Cody Grant, uh, Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan. The Brewers are hot right now, but nobody's been hotter than Josh Hader. I, I mean, Cody, 75 strikeouts, 38 innings pitched, a 2-0 and record, and only in 23 games. Josh Hader is starting to become like a, a national spotlight here. So why is this happening? Well, you know what? First of all, you mentioned national spotlight, and that's great for the Brewers. One of the smallest markets in all of baseball, Josh Hader's yep. getting national attention. You mentioned the 75 strikeouts. You know, right now, he would lead 10 different Major League Baseball teams in strikeouts this season. And the, the funny thing about Hader, not only is he putting up video game numbers, he's really spoiling Brewers fans here. I mean, he gives up one run to tie the game on Monday, and everybody is just shocked like josh Hader is you know he's not he's not robotic he's human he gave a one run you know it's and and he got out of the inning the brewers of course lost that game in extras but josh Hader came back was great yesterday in the afternoon game and man this has been a joy to watch and and you know that bullpen as a whole you talk about jeremy jeffers as well who actually has a lower era than josh Hader. what's uh what's the latest on jimmy nelson uh, Jimmy Nelson still looking to uh, come back. Yeah, he's he's on track. Uh, he should be coming back in uh, July still. So there hasn't really been much talk about Jimmy Nelson when you think about how well the starting rotation has pitched. And Jimmy Nelson, of course, you look at him as quote unquote ace on this team, and that, that's a guy that maybe David Stearns takes a look at. Jimmy Nelson, when he comes back, it's like that's their offseat, that's their trade deadline addition. Hopefully, they make try to make another move to get another arm in there. But Jimmy Nelson, I mean, if he's anything like he was last season, look out. Will the will the Brewers be buyers or sellers going into the All Star break soon? Oh, they got to be buy it buyers. I mean, they still have one of the top farm systems in all of baseball. They got some really good young studs down there. You know, Jorge Lopez, the pitcher, he came up. He had that 13 strikeout game about less than a month ago. You have Keston Hira, who's doing work in Double A right now. Uh, Marcio Dubon, kind of sad. I kind of wanted to see him this year. He, of course, tore the ACL. He won't play the rest of this season. But they have a very good farm system. Uh, a lot of position players. They got a lot of pitchers. They cleaned up at the All Star Game in AAA. They got to be buyers because they're right there. They're in first place, best record in the NL, and we're getting closer and closer to that trade deadline. I think you got to imagine David Stearns, GM of the Brewers, won't admit it. 
but I bet you he's kind of, you know, I missed the playoffs by one game last season. I think he might regret a little bit not making a bigger move at the trade deadline last year. I think he makes up for it this year. How much credit goes to manager Craig Council? So much credit. You know, when you talk about managers in baseball, even Joe Madden's getting heat right now down in Chicago, which yep. I can't understand why. He has his team <laughs> it's winning it's Chicago, Cody. every single year, won the first World Series in 108 seasons in 2016. And, you know, Craig Consul, I think he he's comparable to John Madden in the sense that he's kind of ahead of the curve. You know, so long in baseball, we've seen starting pitchers, those aces, those Clayton Kershaws, those, uh, those Cole Hamels dating back to, you know, Kirk Schilling and CeCe Sabathia back in their days when they're going seven, eight, sometimes nine innings. Craig Council, something he pulls these guys after five and says, I'm going to get my bullpen going because he's not worried about having that starting pitcher go and give you 18 to 21 outs. He's just looking at the best way to get 27 outs. And I think he's found a perfect formula with his team, which helps uh, Mark Atanasio and David Stearns as well because you don't have to pay those bullpen arms as much as a starter. Yeah, the bullpen definitely is going to be needed in Chicago. You talk about Joe Madden here. Look, I, I was there for three years in Chicago. And even the year when the Cubs won the World Series, Joe Madden was still getting questioned. I mean, in fact, he was questioned about the Rodas Chapman uh, move that they did in Game 7. You remember that when it was... They, <laughs> They thought that Joe Madden was uh, out of off his rocker about a Rodas Chapman. Absolutely, and that's funny. Joe Madden, he, he called him the evil genius. I mean, you saw what he did uh, yesterday during the day game, putting a she sack a pitcher yes. into left field because he knew he, he was facing a left-handed hitter. He has to bring someone else in, and then he brings she sack back in. He's just hoping for the best. That ball doesn't get hit in the outfield because that was the first time I believe she sacks ever played left field. <laughs> but it, it's like like you don't see that stuff, and I don't think it's a stupid move. I think it's just a. Uh, Good strategy, and it worked for them. I mean, they, they, they lost the game, but it worked to get that out. She sat, comes right back in and pitches. I don't care what anybody says. Joe Madden is an absolute genius. Oh, I, I, I love what he did. We're talking to Cody Grant, Sports Radio 105.7 The Fan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Speaking about that, the NBA draft is uh, just about, actually, wow, a couple of days away here coming up. But the Bucks are in kind of a precarious position here. I mean, they're 14, they got the... 17th pick, you told me? Is that correct? 17. That okay, is correct. so 17. So, who are they looking at right now? I mean, there's been Dante DiFacenzo has been talked about, the rookie, the sophomore out of Villanova, uh, Jerome Robinson, the point guard out of Boston College. The one I loved was NBC Sports talked about freshman Lonnie Walker out of Miami, a shooting guard. Definitely something that the Bucks need with depth, correct? Absolutely. They need shooters. I mean, you look at the NBA today, look at the teams that are winning. I mean, Golden State Warriors, they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in all of basketball. The Houston Rockets are one of the best three-point shooting games in all of basketball. If Chris Paul doesn't get hurt game six or seven, maybe they did throw oh, yeah. the Golden State Warriors. You never know. I mean, the Bucks last year were not a good three-point shooting team. And you have we have a guy like Giannis who's not an outside shooter, guys are going to tend to sag off of him, and they're going to clog the lane. And when mm-hmm. he drives, hey, there's too much traffic in there, and it, it, he can kick it out at that point. But guys are not going to shots. They're going to continue to clog the lane. So that's what they need. They need outside shooting. Cody, who do you see them drafting? Oh, man, you know, like, I, 
the last name I would have said last year was DJ Wilson. So, you know, it, wow. it's, it's tough to say. I mean, there, there's been rumblings about Grayson Allen. He's been thrown out there. Uh, you know, it, he's a, a tough player. Uh, some would say a little bit dirty, but the Bucks kind of have lacked that. I mean, you can talk about Matthew Dellavedova, but, uh, you know, they, they need <laughs> some more of that grittiness and more of that toughness. Uh, you, you know, you look at just – got to find a shooter out there and in jerome robinson from boston college uh he's a talented scorer he's got some good intangibles uh, he's got good range out to 23 feet uh, lonnie walker from miami it, uh, there's there's guys out there but it's just it's so hard to tell when you get to that seven you only get past 10 really i mean it's who would have thought Giannis was gonna be this good and he was drafted at 15 Mike Bonehoser, you know, did actually a pretty good job in Atlanta his first couple of years. But what has his presence already meant to the Bucks in the off season? Well, I think Mike Bonehoser is going to have a Budenholzer, system in place. You. Yeah, I think Mike Bonehoser is going to have a system in place for the Bucks. I mean, that's something that Jason Kidd uh, did not have. I, I don't know if Jason really? Kidd uh, respect to him, but I don't know if he really had an offensive system but it seemed like the Bucks didn't move the ball very well they didn't have any off ball movement uh Mike Grunenholzer if you watch him in Atlanta when he had that 60 win team mm -hmm. uh, back a few years ago when you talk about how Horford and you know the uh, when Josh Smith was there and they had uh, Paul Mill even after Josh Smith they had Paul Millsap at power forward and you know you had uh, Jeff Teague running the point I mean that that was a team that didn't have the all-stars you can say paul Millsap is a very good player he is an all-star caliber but they they weren't a team w with like that legitimate superstar they were a team that played as a team i think that's something the bucks have lacked the last few years because when you look at that uh some of the, play the playoffs the last two years against toronto two years ago and then last well this past season against the boston celtics you can argue that the bucks had more talent but i i just don't think they had that system in place and, and they got some I don't want to say young players because the Boston Celtics were young. They have some immature players. I think Mike Budenholzer, with the experience he's had at the coaching helm, can kind of wheel, wheel those guys in and have them buy into the system, have them buy in a team defensive basketball because that's what they need. Who do the Bucks want uh, in free agency? I mean, with all the LeBron craze and all that stuff, we know the Bucks are not going to be that destination here. But who is a player that they are actually truly looking at that feels like they could fit with uh, Giannis? And Chris Middleton. I don't think anybody right now because uh, right right now, Jake, they're in salary cap hell. I, I mean, you you talk about oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough for them because they have some bad contracts. Sean Henson is due to make about twelve million dollars a year. Tony Snell is due to make about twelve million. Matthew oh, Delvadova is due to make about ten million. They're up against that, that that salary cap, and and right now they have a big, their biggest question mark before they even think about free agency is what they're going to do with Jabari Parker. He's a restricted free agent, so that means that. There's going to be teams around the NBA that have money to spend that are going to look to take a risk on Jabari Parker coming off two knee injuries because he has such a high ceiling. He's only 23 years old, and they're going to throw some money at Jabari Parker, and the Bucks are going to have to make a decision whether they're going to match that or not if they want to move on with Jabari Parker. Another thing they can look at is maybe not drafting a player at number 17, maybe using that in a package deal to try to move oh. on these bad contracts. But then you would have to probably throw in a Chris Middleton because there's not teams out there that are going to take the 17th pick with a bad contract without a talented player in addition to that. Speaking about bad contracts, the Green Bay Packers having their issues with Brian Balaga, so they bring in Byron Bell. Uh, they, they bring in that kid out of Washington State here. Mike McCarthy came out today, said that he was very confident, said this was one of the best off seasons yet. 
How much credit can we give right now to the Green Bay Packers, or is this all smoke and mirrors again? I mean, I like what they did in the offseason, but you can kind of say the same thing about uh, last season. But one thing that I think they really did was address the defensive back issue. Uh, they didn't do that last season, but this season right. in the draft, they took Jari Alexander the first pick. They took mm-hmm. Josh Jackson with the second pick. And it's kind of funny because, you know, I think that, you know, Packer fan out here in Wisconsin, when they took Jari Alexander, they some Packer fan didn't like the pick. And I think they were going to have Josh Jackson in the first round. So it's it's funny how the draft works because Josh Jackson fell to pick 45 and the Packers were able to get him. So they got two good corners, highly tally corners. And, you know, of course, they, they, they got to make some more additions um, in some other places. But you had Jimmy Graham, and he's more of a wide receiver, not much less of a tight end. But you get Marseille's Lewis, who is known as one of the top blocking tight ends in all the NFL. So it looks like they're set offensively with Rodgers, and they got the running backs, Aaron Jones, and, uh, and uh, oh, the name's slipping me now, right? Right now, Aaron Jones and. Uh, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams. Oh, yeah. Jamal Aaron Williams Jones is a uh, tractor trailer, pretty much. Might as well just yeah, give him. Yeah. Might as well just give him a lunchbox and let him go to work. I mean, absolutely. It's crazy. So they got talent, and of course, they got the baddest man on the planet, Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And speaking about that, I mean, no Jordy Nelson. Now, we know that Devontae Adams can do a lot of great things, but who's going to get more targets, Jimmy Graham or Devontae Adams? Oh, that's tough because when you when you watch the Packers, Aaron Rodgers likes to spread the ball around. That's how they run their offense, their spread offense. So you got to think that Jimmy Graham's going to be probably the red zone target, mm-hmm. uh, but Devontae Adams has all the talent in the world to be a you know, a top 10 wide receiver, maybe a top five wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers behind him. If, if you were to make me choose, I would say Devontae gets, ends up the season with more talk, targets than Jimmy Graham. Uh, but, you know, look for Randall Cobb because now he's kind of a forgotten man in the offense, according to the defense, because they got to worry about Devontae Adams, who's the mm-hmm. number one receiver. Jimmy Graham, who could be a number one receiver. Randall Cobb's going to have some opportunities as well. Yeah, Randall Cobb uh, is already trying to prove. I mean, I, I hate to disagree with you on this, but I'm going to. But Randall Cobb, I mean, <laughs> he was the Z receiver for about a couple of games. Didn't really show much. Looked good in the slot, though. And, I mean, I think that's where Cobb's going to be. So that leads me to this. Aside from Adams and Graham and Cobb, who's going to be the one that's going to really step up? Geronimo Allison? Or are we talking maybe a Michael Clark sighting? Um, I like Michael Clark. You know, he played basketball uh, back in his college days. He's kind of converted to an NFL wide receiver. He's got a lot to prove. Uh, Geronimo Allison, we've been kind of waiting for him to stand out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers really likes Geronimo. Uh, he's a guy that I like to see succeed this season. And it's just tough, though, because there's, there's just not a lot of football to go around because uh, Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham, the most talented receivers on that team, are going to – they're going to command a lot of targets, and then you throw in Randall Cobb, and then you have Mercedes Lewis, who's more of a blocking tight end. But he can still run routes, and they're going to find him when Aaron Rodgers scrambles outside the pocket, which we all know he loves to do. Final question. How good is the Packers' defense actually going to be for longer than two games this year? <laughs> Jeez. I mean, but the way they're talking, you know, I, I like the move to bring in Mike Patton. Uh, he hasn't Me had too. a defense worse than, what, has it been fifth? Tenth. Since he's been the defense corner 10th in the in NFL. 10th in five years. His worst defense was 10th, and that was with Buffalo. 
with Buffalo. So mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about the Packers, and they, they made the additions. To, uh, the defensive back, haha, Clinton Dix, is a contract year. He has a lot to prove. He did not yes. have a good season last year. Yep. Uh, Josh Jones will be in his second season. Uh, he'll have some to prove. you got to see what happens to Clay Matthews and and uh, up front with Mike Daniels, who I think is could, has the ability to be one of the best uh, defensive linemen in the NFL. They're, they're, they're front. You know, three, they play the three, four, and, uh, it's pretty good. And they, they added Muhammad Wilkerson in the offseason, too, who hasn't been talked about a whole lot. He's got some to prove because he's, he's been one of the top defensive linemen in the league, and then he's had a few bad years. And now he's with Green Bay, and they, on paper, they can be a pretty good defense, but we all know it doesn't matter too short on the field. We will see. 2019 is going to be one of the most interesting years to be a Green Bay Packers fan. Cody, as always, you bring your A-game here on Turning Points, always bringing it to the turning point of the sports world, and we'll definitely talk uh, as training camp starts up for the Packers. Sounds good, Jake. Thanks a lot, man. All right. That was uh, Cody Grant uh, from Sports Radio 105.7 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Man alive. That that guy always brings it every time. I mean, so much he brought it with, with the Brewers, but... You know what? He's absolutely right about the Packers. I mean, the Packers, got they look good on paper, but is it going to transition? And that defense is going to be watched uh, with a very tall magnifying glass. In fact, I'm going to tell you why this Hall of Famer-to-be should not even be a headline. That's all coming up next here on the Turning Point of the Sports World. Turning Points on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you can find us. All right, that was a terrific interview with uh, Cody Grant. We went a little over time here. I'll have a conversation with Diehard Sports Radio, but you're about to take an exit out of the turning point of the sports world. You can tweet me at, at Jake Turner Sport, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Till next time, you're taking an exit out of the turning point of the sports world. We'll be back next Friday. We'll see you then here on Diehard Sports Radio. Have yourself a great night, everybody.